0: And I don't get to come to Undone very often, uh, but it's certainly uh, really good to, to be with you uh, uh, this afternoon, especially as we're outside. And I feel like the topic tonight's not really, this afternoon, it's not really appropriate. The topic is, uh, what do we do with all the bad stuff in the Bible? And I feel like we should be talking about, you know, uh, creation, I don't know, um, how awesome it is to be outdoors, uh, how awesome God is with uh, what He's made, but um, here we are. And actually, it's summer reading. That's the topic um, today, or this, this uh, month, if you like. And uh, there's been a book on my shelf that I've had for a long time. So it's been sitting there, and I've been looking at it for many, many years. And at one point, I thought, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start reading this. And the book is uh, Tolkien's uh, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, about halfway through, I lost the will to live, and I gave up. I'm being honest with you, and I've actually lost the bookmark. I had, a, I had the bookmark in there for years, thinking I'll, I'll pick this up where I left off, but I'd never got there. I'm proud to say now, though, that I've just read the, fin- the first book. So what's it called? The Fellowship of the Ring. So thank you. And uh, let's, see, uh, let's see what the next 10 years brings with the other, with the other two books. But uh, I'm, I'm halfway, not even halfway there. And uh, I just get a little bit, um, it gets a bit tedious, you know, all the hobbits that love to sing. It's really annoying. And um, I feel bad when I skip the songs, but then I'm skipping the, the, the text, and that's not really good either. So it's a bit of an awkward thing. But when it comes to uh, the book itself, and this is what made me buy it in the first place. I was actually look, thumbing through it, so this is all three books in one. And on the back, there's a very, very short uh, praise for the book by the Sunday Times, and it says this, the English speaking world is divided into those who have read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and those that are going to read them. And I read that and I thought, ah, I know who I wanna be part of. I wanna be part of the group that have read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And I felt bad when I quit, but the the statement's still there. And you know what? I think in in our Christian faith, in our Christian story, um, there are three groups of people, I think. There are three types of Christians when it comes to reading the Bible those who don't read the Bible, those who read the bits they like and understand and ignore the rest, and the third group of Christians are those that read it and wrestle with it. Three groups. And I wonder which one are you a part of? Do you read the Bible or do you not read it? If you do read it, do you only read the bits that you like and ignore the rest? Or are you someone who's prepared to read the good stuff as well as the more challenging stuff? And what, it, and, um, what can you do about that? And that's what we're going to be trying to answer uh, this afternoon. How do I handle all the bad stuff in the Bible? That's the question. Let me pray as we, as we start. So Lord, it's good to be in your presence. Um, and I echo Sam's prayer as well. It's good to be outside as well. I want to thank you for the chance to gather. I want to thank you for the chance to worship you freely like we're doing right now. That's not a reality for lots of people around the world. But here we are as believers, uh, as those that are searching um, for you, searching about what God might be about. Lord, we're gathering here, and I ask that you would be the teacher through your Holy Spirit, and that you would speak to all of us with whatever it is that you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So... Uh, As you may have heard um, over the last few weeks, the the Bible is not a book per se. I mean, it's bound like a book in that it has a front cover and a back cover for us today. But really, the Bible is a collection of books. And uh, each book has been written in different ways for different audiences. And um, just like we have music genres, and uh, there's all sorts of genres that you can choose and narrow down your choice, there are also literary genres. So sometimes you can group these books um, together. So you might have uh, a collection of books called the Letters or the Epistles, or it might be the Four Gospels, or it might be Wisdom Literature, or it might be Prophetic Literature, or it might be Apocalyptic Literature. So even within the the Bible itself, there are different categories that you can group some of these um, books in. And so this is important. The reason I'm uh, restating this, if you like, if you've heard it before, is because it's important because they don't all read the same. And uh, I think Ben mentioned this really well last uh, week on the screen. If I say, uh, once upon a time, there was a a girl with long hair who lived in a tower, you already know what that story might be about. And you know that it's a fairy tale, which means that you might not necessarily read it for the same purposes as you might read, say, a law document or a constitution, or it might be uh, an essay that you have to process. And so some passages are easier to process, no doubt about it. You can pull out the Bible and you can pick a passage and you can say, yep, that makes sense. But other times, there's some really curly stuff. And that's uh, what we're going to be wrestling with uh, tonight. And so all you want to do in your faith, you just want to open the Bible. You might want some guidance. You need some faith. You need to make a decision. And then you come across a really curly passage like Judges Uh, 19. I'm not going to read that one uh, now, but you can go home and read Judges 19. And um, it's awful. It's absolutely horrible. And so the largest section of the Bible is the Old Testament and it's filled with amazing stories, but there's some real challenges when it comes to some of the passages. And here are some of the themes, murder, slavery, polygamy, abuse, war, violence, famine, power, consequences for disobeying the law and the list goes on and so in fact one of the biggest criticisms of the god in the christian bible is that he is violent and he is angry and that he condones genocide imagine that that's how the bible can be presented to some people in some ways and i just want to highlight three stories uh, in the bible genesis 6 it's the flood and uh, in in verses 5 8, I'm not going to read it all. It says, So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Whoa, how do you process that? And that's in Genesis, that's right at the start of the Bible. What about uh, Genesis 22? The story of Abraham, he was praying for a son. And eventually, Isaac came along. And then what does God say? Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. Wow. What do you do with that? And then the final one that I want to highlight is Joshua 6. And this is the story of Joshua. he's a young leader, and he's about to take... A charge of the promised land and there is uh, a, a town if you like a walled city called Jericho and it says this so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown do you know the story they had to walk around seven times and then they were to make a big shout and the walls came down as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets they raised a great shout and, they, and the wall fell down flat so the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it and listen to this then they devoted to distraction by the edge of the sword, all in the city, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys. What do you do with these passages? <laughs> How do you wrestle with this? All you wanted to do was try and follow Jesus the best you can, and the text that we have as in our Christian faith is a text that in some sections is violent, and it seems to condone some things. How do we process that? Well, one of the ways I think that is helpful is by simply acknowledging that um, there are different, if you like, worlds at play. And this is a, the discipline of hermeneutics, which is just a, another way of saying interpretation. And in, um, in hermeneutics, there are it's, it's a recognition that there are different players involved or different worlds involved in Uh, interpreting the Bible so if I'm holding the Bible like this there are three worlds or what uh, in philosophy they call horizons it's not a limitation but rather a recognition that I can only see so far and so the first horizon or the first world is the world in front of the text so I'm holding the Bible and actually the world in front of the text is me I'm the one that has to pay attention to who I am as I read the Bible It might be, well it is, it's not my, it is my ethnicity. Where did I grow up? Who were my parents? Where do they come from? Um, Do I have uh, uh, multiple languages or do I speak one? What is my culture? Who are the people around me? Where do I live? What's our history? What's our um, culture? What are our practices? So all of those ingredients play a role. When I pick up the Bible, I am uh, the person that has to be aware of myself when I'm asking these questions. And so that's the world in front of the text. And then you've got another world, the second world, is the world in the text. This is the world that deals with all the um, issues that relate to the, the text itself. It could be the language, when was it written, uh, the dates, the author, uh, what are the expressions that are used, what are the phrases, why is there repetition? What? Why is, is, is John 17, for example, say, remain in me and I, and I will remain in you? Uh, John 15, sorry. And the word remain or abide happens time and time again in that very short passage that Jesus says. Why is that? And these are the questions that you ask. Why does this story fit in this gospel, but why does it fit somewhere else in another gospel? And so you're asking questions of the text. So you've got the world in front of the text, you've got the world of the text, and underneath You've got the world behind the text. And that's all got to do with things that relate to culture or history or archaeology. These are the questions that inform uh, the way that we go about reading uh, the Bible. And so I wonder, what can you relate to? What world are you most interested in? Because some people are more interested in the history or archaeology. They're really fascinated by um, Ancient warfare, for example, or they might be fascinated by um, how different nations conducted themselves. The Babylonians were different to the Egyptians, who were different to the Persians. Maybe that's you, or maybe you're a, a linguist person. Maybe you love language and you love how expression works, and you're fascinated by um, how things are put together. Or maybe you're interested in in yourself, in the sense of I, I'm struggling with this and I need help with this. Can somebody help me? They're the sorts of questions that we want to ask. And so let me come back to Jericho, because I think there's a really interesting case study for Jericho, the story of Jericho. So what's the background? Well, God wants to establish a new nation. It doesn't exist. And he looks at Abraham and he says, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to make your descendants great. But somehow the story is all uh, uh, messed up, if you like, and they end up in Egypt. They're in slavery for many years. And then comes Moses, and God uses Moses to get people out. But Moses is not uh, necessarily obedient all the time, and neither is Abraham. They make, some, they make some errors, if you like. They're not perfect people. And so Moses doesn't get to see um, the promised land. And instead, Moses uh, hands over the leadership to a young man. What was his name? Joshua. And this is where the famous verse comes in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for I'm going to be with you. And so Joshua is commissioned, if you like, to go into the promised land. And then the first thing that he has to do is to take down this, um, this city called um, Jericho. And so let's, let's use that lens. Let's use the world in front of the text, the world of the text, and the world behind the text. Because as far as our Christian story is concerned, the number one reason why someone has a problem with uh, Christianity or with the idea of God is that God is angry. He is violent and he's uh, into genocide. And so if I'm reading this passage, I'm asking myself some questions. We've just read it. They were to slaughter everything as they went into the city. I don't know how to process that. And so I'm asking myself as I'm reading the passage as the, the world in front of the text, I'm asking myself some questions. Why am I reacting? What's inside me? What are the emotions that come out? Or what is uncomfortable about it? or I've never experienced war, I have no idea what that must be like. These are really interesting questions, and I too could argue that this passage paints a picture of a violent God who likes people dying, but this is an assumption made by taking a story away from its context. I can just thumb through all the bad stories in the Bible and say, see, that's what the Bible says, so I don't want to believe in that God. So that's one argument. So let's move into the the, the world of the text. How is the story told? You know, where does it fit into into the story of Joshua? Uh, what are the key words? Are there phrases that repeat? Uh, what does the rest of the Bible say? I'm asking questions about the text. How does the story fit in? Um, how is biblical narrative used? What language mechanisms are used? How is war story told? Um, how is exaggeration used? All these sorts of questions are not a way of saying, I don't believe in this Bible. It's a way of saying, I have some questions and I, I'm grappling with this. There's nothing wrong with asking questions of the Bible. And so in the lead up to this story of Jericho, so remember I'm staying with the text. At the very start of um, Joshua's story, there's a really interesting little, little anecdote um, about a woman who understands this, this idea of God and understands what's going to happen. And uh, Joshua sends forward some spies into the city to explore what it might look like to, to tackle this city in the future. And there's this one woman and she's a prostitute. She's a pagan prostitute and her name is Rahab. And uh, these spies are uh, maybe in a bit of trouble and Rahab takes them in and um, they, uh, they are hidden. And then she lowers them down the wall the next day. And uh, in that conversation, there's a, there's a plea When you attack the city, will you remember me? Now, why is that story there? Because that's the only story that appears about this idea of Jericho and the life of Jericho. There's this one woman who's a prostitute and she she, um, looks after these two spies. And so I'm asking myself, why is that story there? Well, if you look under, under the layer and if you look at the story as a whole, you realize that the story is there to be reminded that God is a merciful God. It's not only that uh, people are going to be destroyed, but rather in that story, there's also this idea of mercy being played out. And then there's this uh, interesting vision. So Joshua has heard about this Rahab prostitute, and then he's um, looking over the city in the distance. He's not ready to attack it just yet, and then he has this vision and this vision is of, a, is of a warrior, a great warrior, but he can't quite tell who this warrior is. And he goes up to this warrior and he says with, you know, I, I can picture an enormous guy with a ginormous sword and a shield. And um, he kind of looks out of this world and he goes up to the warrior and he says to the warrior, are you one of us or are you one of them? As in the adversaries, are you one of the uh, people of Jericho? And then the warrior replied... This is the interesting word, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. What a quirky answer. He doesn't say, I'm for you, Joshua, and I'm not for them either. I don't belong to either of you. And there's another world in the text scenario. Why does he say that? Why does the warrior say neither? There's a, there's a say an invitation, if you like, to consider that the main point here. Is that God has no favorites in this particular instance. In other words, God is not necessarily in favor of this war scenario that's taking place, but if you like, it's a necessary process in order for the promise uh, to take place. And Joshua, as it turns out, is not a perfect guy either. And you fast forward through the Old Testament and there are lots of not very perfect people. King David was not perfect. Solomon was not perfect. Saul, these kings, were not perfect. Then there's the stern warning in uh, Deuteronomy. So I'm staying with this story. And remember, God's people are going to take over this land. But very early on in the promised stage, if you like, uh, when there were promises made about the promised land, there's this little passage in Deuteronomy 9. And uh, God says to these people, it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you are going to occupy the land but because of the wickedness of these nations the lord your god is um, processing what's what, what's going on here well it seems as though um, god is clearly saying even before joshua is on the scene that it's not because i'm good enough that i'm going to take over this land but it's because god has an ulterior motive and here we're dealing with god of justice god of righteousness the god um, that seeks to make everything right. And there's some really interesting questions that come out of this uh, for us if we go a little bit deeper. And so God's desire, why was he sort of wrestling with these people that kept doing dumb stuff over and over again? is because he wanted a nation. He wanted to tell the world that there was a better way of living. He wanted He himself to be king, and um, if you like, heaven to be exercised in a way that was really evident. But eventually Israel moved further and further away from that idea and they wanted their own king and they found themselves doing things over and over again. So the world in front of the text, the world of the text. What about the world behind the text? How does archaeology inform the story? If you go to the West Bank, you can see the, the remains of Jericho uh, and um, People go there all the time to, to um, investigate, to ask questions, maybe to experience something about what it must have been like. Was Jericho a city, per se, like we imagine a city, or was it more like a, a fortress? Um, what, what were the Canaanites like? So these were the people living in, in Jericho. Did Joshua occupy the whole land, or did he just stop there? These are questions that we ask about the world behind the text. and um, what's interesting here about uh, the Canaanites and this is, this is what the world behind the text tells us, is that they were involved in some pretty nasty things and there was a lot of temple prostitution, child um, sacrifices, they were pretty nasty and um, God seems to be involved in the process of trying to get their attention and they just ignore the fact that He wants to be their God and He uses Israel to do something about that. And so what's interesting for us here is that how come back to that question how do we deal with this stuff what what do i do in the 21st century when i'm reading the bible and when you're reading the bible how do we wrestle with these with these um passages and um i think the answer for me is i mean we're talking about the world of the text in front of the text and behind the text that's more of an awareness thing but there need to be skills behind all of those three different worlds and um I think the, 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 the first encouragement is read all of it. Don't read just bits of the Bible that you like, but read all of it. You don't have to follow it from cover to cover, but read. make sure you read every book of the Bible and try and get a picture for what God is like. Um, and the second thing that we ought to do is consider the Bible as a unified story. And I love what the Bible Project um, say about this. It's a, it's, a, it's a unified story that leads to Jesus. And that's the, that's the catch cry. And we haven't really changed all that much, let's be honest. I mean, we could look at these people in the Bible and say, see, they did all this nasty stuff, but we're no different. We've got science, we've got medicine, we've got technology, um, we have uh, knowledge, uh, but really our hearts aren't all that different to the people in the Old Testament, for example. Themes of murder, themes of slavery, themes of... Relationships, sexuality, abuse, war, violence, famine, power are as present now as they ever were back then. So all the bad stuff in the Bible reminds us that we're no different. And guess what? Things need to change. I want things to change because I look at the world around me in the 21st century and sometimes it reads no different in the news than it did back then. So something needs to change. I want to change. And guess how that happens? It's Jesus. Jesus is the change. And the reason I don't give up when I read bad stuff in the Bible is because Jesus tells me who God is. And um, what He is like. And uh, the encouragement for for me is Colossians chapter 1. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And what? And in him all things hold together. It keeps going. He is the head of the body, have first place. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, not just some bits, all of it, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace, how? Through the blood of, the, of his cross. Jesus came to proclaim a new way of living, one that involved loving friends and enemies. Um, he talked about peace He talked about freedom for the oppressed. He talked about miracles, about healing, about power through his spirit. And that's who God is. That's the God that I choose to worship when I um, gather in a place like this. So let me come back to those stories. Jesus, um, uh, sorry, there will be no greater flood. There will be no flood again because Jesus accepted God's punishment uh, for my sin. And unlike the story of Abraham and Isaac, Jesus was the sacrifice that redeemed me. And I don't have to engage in a war like Joshua because Jesus has already won the battle. And that's the battle for an unshakable kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. And lastly, God will even use the lowly things of this world, things uh, or people like a pagan prostitute to remind me that he is a merciful God. So where do we go from here? Well, come back to the Lord of the Rings, if you like. There are two types of people in the world, that have, those that have read it, those that are going to read it. Well, I think there are three types of Christians in the world, those that don't read the Bible, those that read the bits they like and ignore the rest, or those that wrestle with it and read all of it. So which one do you fall into? So what could be some next steps? Well, I think regular, committed church attendance is important, reading the Bible in community is an important part of the process. What about things like the Bible Project? You can Google them, search them. They even offer like online Bible schools now that are free and easily accessible. Um, There's lots of Bible tools like software and uh, commentaries and books. You can even do formal study. Actually um, sign up for a course and do a certificate or a diploma. There are next things that you can do to address that uncertainty um, that you have. But let's come back to Jesus, just as we get, it, get ready for communion. Jesus is the reason that we are able to gather here. And he's the reason that we are reminded, if you like, of our brokenness. It's his spirit that reminds us that our lives aren't all together all of the time. And it's uh, thanks to what he did on the cross that we're able to um, gather in community and to be able to have a relationship with him. And uh, really it comes down to his actions on the cross. And that's what we do with communion we remember what he did um, as a way of, um, if you like, reliving that story over and over again. And we're just a small group of people um, and all around the world, even right now, there are people taking communion, uh, remembering or reliving that story of Jesus dying on the cross. And that's something that he said, when you gather, let's take communion. Let's remember his body, which is the biscuit that we take. Let's remember Um, The blood that is shed on the cross, which is the juice. Let me pray. And then, in your own time, feel free to take a little biscuit and drink the juice. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for the invitation to engage in the Bible. Thank you that it's uh, tough. um, And we don't want to be closed about this, we don't want to be ignorant. um, But rather, uh, I was reminded again. Uh, during this process of uh, preparing, that the Bible is unashamedly open about all the good things but also all the bad stuff, uh, and it reminds us of our own brokenness. But Lord, through your sacrifice, what you did on the cross, we are redeemed, we are saved because of your saving grace and your mercy. And thank you that you, Jesus, are the image of the invisible God. The reason we get to know who you are. God is because of your son Jesus and right now as we pause we uh, remember your story what you did on the cross and we remember your brokenness through your body the blood that was um, that was lost um, but uh, at the same time made a way for us to engage with you and with that we just pause for a few moments and we just celebrate you and worship you in Jesus name amen in your own time feel free to take biscuit